Soccer Dad Pod Tonight My car- carpool co-host is The Zach Lewis Hello, hello That is um, currently enjoying a fine Schlafly draft and a Pita board Delicious by the way Pita board, much uh, as opposed to the last time We were here um, Seems more appropriate For bar food than curry yeah, the uh, warm pita bread with the beer cheese, olive tapenade, and then the hummus. Yeah. It's a good good fit. And I'm trying something different today, JB. Uh, I like it. No beer. Going with a cider. Isn't that against the um, Four Seasons rule? No. No cider in the fall or winter and no Guinness in the spring and summer? I think it's the other way around, right? No, the you cider's don't. a fall thing. What? Yeah. Just because apples fall in the fall. That's when you make ciders. Yeah, in but the cider's fall. like light and refreshing and cold and sweet. And yeah, but when you mix cider with fireball, you get the soccer moms super engaged. Do you see that there's a, uh, a new fireball scented candle? Fireball scented candle? Yeah. Um, I did not see that. But to non alcoholics, it's called cinnamon. Oh. Oh, I see what you did there. But <laughs> <laughs> a little soccer dad joke there, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I uh, yeah, I totally missed that one. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> you, in, fell, you fell right. I into fell that. right into it. Yeah, that's good. I um, <clears throat> yeah, is what it is. Um, so a lot of things going on in the soccer dad world, um, in soccer world in general, uh, domestically. Especially um, wrapping up a lot of well because we run opposite the rest of the world, right? Our our big league MLS uh, wrapped up two week two weekends ago, correct? Uh, yeah, we have uh, just an endless supply of collegiate games, uh, conference tournaments at large bid occurring, uh, women's, men's, etc. Uh, and then here we are globally uh, about to enter league break uh, in, in, in uh, an unfavorable league break to most uh, <laughs> due to the uh, World Cup in Qatar. Uh, so a million different things to talk about on the um, soccer front. So let's get back to the PETA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, I was on Sunday, I was at uh, Herman Stadium. And got to watch SLU draw yeah. nil-nil in regular and double overtime. Yes, and for you uh, Americans, that's 0-0. Zero, zero. Yep. <clears throat> so <laughs> sat through 120 minutes of uh, no-score soccer with, I think, a total of eight shots. And that's not on goal. That's eight total shots. I think there were three shots on goal yeah. in that entire time. And then it went to uh, PKs and uh, the goalie for SLU. Had two tremendous saves. Yeah. We missed our second shot, uh, hit the crossbar, but came back and, and, and won in PKs. Now that's they get an at-large bid. And then Missouri State, uh, that was over Loyola. So we had uh, your buddy Matt Steltzer on, yeah. former Rambler. And so his, his Ramblers lost to SLU. And then 
Missouri State played the. Um, oh, jeez, I just blanked. I don't know, but by the time Jared listens to this, he'll be pulling his Evansville, Evansville. Uh, University of Evansville. Sure, Indiana. Yep, and they uh, they all won as well. So the Missouri Valley Conference champions, Missouri State, as well as the uh, Atlantic Ten Com- Conference champions, SLU. Moving on. SLU women are moving on too. SLU women are moving on. Missouri State women are moving on. Maryville University are moving on. No, they're done. I think the women. They, the women. No, I think they lost. The women lost, but the men, yeah. the men won. Men are still going on. And that's <clears throat> Division Two. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a ton going on, and if you're into, uh, well, if you just like good goals, you should go on Twitter, go on whatever your favorite favorite sources, watch the. Um, uh, Rutgers goal against Indiana. Um, I forget what they call it. It's basically when you put it in from a corner kick. Oh, I don't even know. But. And it's it, it's like painful to watch because it's in slow motion. <laughs> and there's a man standing on the back post, and you're like, he's got it. He's got it. He doesn't have it. He, he doesn't he, have he it. Oh my it. god, he didn't get it. I got. It. I got. It. I don't got it. I don't got it. Yeah. No. It was uh, very very frustrating. And you could see the rest of the players' faces. That, like they look at the guy on the post, and it's like he's forever going to be that guy that was on the post. Yeah. But what, cra- crazy goal. A um, couple cool things um, in regards to the St. Louis area in particular. We mentioned uh, on the shows last time. Uh, the U.S. national team, the U.S. men's national team heading to Qatar and two of our own uh, from St. Louis, uh, not only from St. Louis, they're from the same soccer club and the same high school, uh, Tim Ream and Josh Sargent. They got the call. They're heading to Qatar. They're going to represent us. And I thought one of the coolest things about this whole thing, because you've seen the Burhalter, uh, you know, FaceTime video yeah. telling them yeah. when they're going and congratulations. But I thought way cooler than that, Ted Lasso gave them billboards. I saw that. Each city has a billboard. I haven't seen ours yet, though. Yeah, it was, um, I'm not going to pull it up, but check it out. Okay. Go online. Uh, Ted Lasso writes a good luck letter in a manner that only Ted Lasso could write. (laughs) Um, And uh, Josh's was funny because everything was kind of Irish infused because of uh, O'Fallon, so it's o- Ted signed Ted O'Lasso. <laughs> uh, check it out, super cool. But I mean, the the simple fact that this global phenomenon of a show that is Ted Lasso, that is obviously featuring the world's biggest sport, you know, we have two pieces of that pie, you know, connected right here in our backyard. Uh, kind of weird pride, you know, um, yes, yeah. to to think about it and you see these things and you're like. You know, oh, I, I, I know those guys, and I know Ted Lasso. Yeah, I don't know Ted Lasso, but I know Ted Lasso through this big screen. It's just, it's cool to be a part of it. Well, I mean, the fact that just by numbers, I think there's 32 teams in the World Cup this year. We haven't been in it since 2014, and each roster probably contains 30 guys. So under 1,000 people in the world are yeah. participating in this event, and two of them come from the same high school same club in in our city yeah yeah i think it's it's uh if you if you were a betting man those are insane odds um so a lot of other things going on not only in the sporting world but the uh just the regular world here we are sure uh, a week past midterms which on the other end of the spectrum 
completely blew a lot of people's minds for a whole different set of reasons. <laughs> um, you know, in news these days, outside of soccer, is just it's it's like you you open your phone and you cover one eye, <laughs> you just slowly start swiping or scrolling. Um, I don't, you know, I I I have multiple Twitter accounts now. Um, I got my own personal where I tend to act like a complete jackass in the political spectrum. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, and then the other one is the Soccer Dad Pod page. I I've been going to that one exclusively because 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 all I follow are soccer people, <laughs> so that news feed is completely insulated. A little cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Taylor Twelman though. Twelman likes to dive in there. Yeah, he, he pokes does. the bear. He does. Um, and, and it's so funny because you go in and you read like the trolls, you know, that get pissed off that you you're a soccer guy, you shouldn't be talking about guns or whatever dribble and shut up yeah dribble you know leave my guns alone <laughs> and it's just like it's all i can do to not be like the soccer dad pod has an opinion on this we, i think i but, think uh, we could do a whole separate uh the politics dad pod yeah and uh i've thought of like you know potential sponsors there uh southern armory uh PETA. um put them all on there <laughs> just just really be like, look, we're going to make you all look foolish. What I think we should do is just maybe prior to Sunday, we should do one more recording and do our predictions, not only for the World Cup, but also 2024. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who, who's going to be the nominee uh, at the top of the ticket for both uh, parties and, you know, down ticket? Well, I think there should be just be an automatic, like, kind of a progressive bet where you literally take the line against 538. <laughs> Any pollsters just be like, "I'm gonna, whatever they say, I want the opposite, you know? Yeah, anybody who's building their strategy off of smiling and dialing to get people to respond. I've had six phone calls today for surveys. So, and and of the six, how many did you answer? A zero. Yeah. So, case in point, there right. you go. Uh, and then you know, chasing down people that have landlines, home phones. Right. Like, I think there's a demographic that that already fits into, right? I mean, if you still have a landline and you're answering it, you fit at least a couple check boxes for categories. Well, I think that's the group of people that uh, those that don't like the results say those are the dead people that voted. You know, because yes, because nobody has a landline. Right? Yeah, I'd love to see the correlation between those that have a landline and those that don't believe that elections are actually won or lost. Yeah, by votes. Yes, be interesting. Venn diagram is a circle. But the other piece of news that has nothing to do with this particular topic Good. is well, let's be completely and open. and I listen. You know, the, the, there's a, a it's a meme, but or mem, however you want to pronounce it. Just shut up and take my money. That's pretty much been any merchandise item that's come out from City. I have the shoes. I yeah. have several pieces of, of, of apparel. Yeah. And I pre-ordered the new kit that comes S- out on Wednesday. Side unseen. Literally side yeah, unseen. I, I, have, I have no idea. Now, my son claims to know, claims to yours as well. Yeah, and they signed non-disclosure. And they can't talk about it. I know. So I have no clue what this is going to look like, but I went ahead and gave them my money. And I'm picking it up right across the street on Wednesday prior to the first match 
yeah. in City Park against Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah. Uh, which is really exciting. Well, it's kind of like this extremely long process <laughs> yeah. that is is so close to becoming real and it's going to be like 31 degrees. <laughs> you know, it's um I, good thing you bought all that merch to bundle up, right? Have to but, wear all of it. <laughs> no, it's it's really funny kind of watching the local uh media streams and those that are engaged with the team and 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 everything that's occurring in this first game. I mean, it's 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 far exceeding what I expected to be interest. Yep. Uh, outside of soccer circles. Yeah, I agree. You know, the 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 usual suspects uh, within clubs and ex-players in certain neighborhoods that you know lean into soccer as a community, uh, even like the Amsterdam uh, Tavern uh, faithful. You know, we knew that all of those groups were definitely going to be interested. But this is really going well beyond that uh, from a, a broader community standpoint. And um, I'm impressed. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't have much more to say about it than that. No, I think that the, the leadership group for City has really embraced the idea of a community approach. It is not just soccer. It is a community event. Yeah. And, I mean, they released the new the foods options. I mean, in addition to the folks we mentioned before, now you've got... Dewey's, The Block in, in Webster Groves, Nudo, Didi Mao. Anthonino's. Yeah, so, I mean, the Malinche, which is out by me. Farm. Tapas Place. Farm Truck. Wally's. It's got to be beef jerky. Wally's. Yeah, Wally's is, um, I saw that too. You can get a solo stove, a hot dog, beef jerky, yeah, and a trucker hat. And a pulled brisket sandwich. <laughs> that's that's not true. I, I and charge your Tesla. That. Yeah, I can't, I can't confirm the, uh, the the solo stove stuff, but that's what they have in there. Yeah, no, ginormous cool. gas station. I um, it's it's going to be really really interesting because again, having attended sporting events at a multitude of uh, different sports cities, size stadiums, etc. Most of the time, I find stadium food to be extremely sterile, um, boring to the point where it's like, just give me more beer. I'm not eating this. You know, it's yeah. Nacho cheese is neon yellow, and yeah, and kind of looking at what city's trying to do, that's cool. FC Cincinnati has a similar model, not the depth and breadth. You can well, get Skyline Chili. Yeah, I mean, that, I was just going to say, <laughs> like, Skyline Chili is like us putting a steak and shake in City Park. Well, I, listen, I'm trying to share the love a little bit. Nah, um, screw all those other cities, which takes me back to what we just talked about a second ago earlier today, where uh, uh, Kansas City, what, yeah, what, what was the, what, it was the uh, the women's team in Kansas the City. Thorns. Yeah, and no, that's the Portland Thorns. It's the uh, current Casey Current. Casey Current put that post out where they showed the rendering of the new stadium and then the yeah. empty plot of ground. And the comment was, "Coming soon to America's soccer capital." Yeah, no way. Yeah, I, I'm number one. I puked in my mouth like a little bit. <laughs> really? You kidding me? Uh, and then immediately, I think my comment was, "That doesn't look like St. Louis." And um, <laughs> apparently, people here thought it was funny. <laughs> Some people from Kansas City didn't. Well, the people from um, Kansas City also just started putting pictures up of 
Arthur Bryant's uh, barbecue and, and Jack Stack and said, yeah, but we're better at barbecue. Yeah, so, whatever. There's that. Yeah, they're, they're split. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. We are, uh, you might have just heard and noticed we were uh, thanking the fine staff here at Schlafly Tap Room, uh, literally a sand wedge of, away from the stadium. <clears throat> yep. Quick refill. What we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we've got our guest walking in the door here. We're going to get set up. And uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to an individual that arguably has more knowledge in his brain about the game uh, globally, historically, locally than pretty much every guest I've had on to date combined. So easily, um, he's a published author. We'll put it put it out. You know, leave it at that. So if he wrote about it, it's got to be true because nobody plagiarizes or makes shit up anymore, right? Nope. Perfect. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back. All right. We're back. We are at uh, Schlafly Tap Room. Over here at 2100 Locust. Literally uh, a sand wedge, as we stated earlier, away from the new stadium. Uh, we have our guest here with us now. Um... Shane Hansen, stay. Help me out there. Stay, yeah. No one wants to be a Hansen. Okay. No one, no one wants to be a Hansen. We'll ditch. We'll ditch the Hansen. <laughs> Shane, stay. And you can uh, call me that if you want. You can call me. I, I, there's Earl, plenty. There's plenty of uh, names I, I probably called you in the past. I'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that works as well. Um, <clears throat> really, really looking forward to this one too, because as I mentioned before the break. Uh, Shane is an author. Uh, he's a uh, ex-player. Uh, do you, I say ex? Assuming based on your age, and which I know, uh, do you? Uh, if you are a current player in a any form of over thirty, forty, or do you lie about over fifty leagues as well? And I I've been known to sneak into an over fifty <laughs> league here and there. Uh, incidentally, a, a long time ago, uh, how old was I? Uh, I think it was an over. I was probably 29. Some guys snuck me into an over 30 league in California, and they gave me a fake ID. Oh my God! Yeah. Really? Wow. Check Which it. vaguely looked like everyone in the world, you know, and it, so well, it worked. Well, see, well, you, I mean, you know, plenty of people here in the area, right, that play in these leagues. You don't need an ID. They literally just look at your gut, and they're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, he's definitely over 30. Oh, he's an over 40." <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they so. look at your gut, and the other thing they do is watch how much you run. Yeah. Yeah, during yeah. plays, and if you're running two times in a given series, oh, that's a fake ID there. That's a fake ID. They're this definitely guy's, this guy's definitely under forty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Shane, uh, we 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 I started this podcast a little while back with uh, my carpool co-hosts here, and um, as that thing started kind of making its way through the social media verse, mm -hmm. uh, Rick was one Rick our time the Rick our time mm -hmm. uh, kind of was tagging me out and then uh, you had reached out and um, I, I literally think the last time that we probably were in the same space was easily 30 years ago yeah I think so yeah yeah really yeah that's an, that's wow. insane pretty amazing yeah. yeah because it would have been 
Uh, well, my senior year, because you were 94, correct? You're younger, yeah. Yeah, same same birth year. You're younger in you're, school. You're 76. I'm 75. I thought you were 75. 76. 76, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so literally the last time would have been uh, when you would have been near into the Collinsville Club high school scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was leaving Granite, which I graduated in 93. Yeah. So we're we're there. We're at thirty years, man. It's been a long time. Long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, so when you reached out, I was like, Jesus Christ, that's a that's an old <laughs> that's a throwback name. And when I looked at your profile, because obviously everybody just trolls everybody at this point in time, um, I saw all the books. Um, let's just out of the gate, t- just tell us what you know how you got into being an author and let's just talk about the soccer books period just from a you know a broad standpoint go ahead sure yeah i uh i co-authored a book in 2007 2008 called the Cairo project nothing to do with soccer and then incidentally in 2014 my first uh book came out why american soccer isn't there yet with myron myron sport and uh they're in germany so then since then, it's progressed now to uh, uh, a number of books. I think with Meyer and Meyer, we're at eight right now, nine in total for me. So, um, including the co-authored one, but nine in total. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the 2018 World Cup book came out, obviously in 2018, and uh, others since then as well. They're all at ShaneStay.com. But the recent one, the World Cup 2022 book, uh, materialized very recently. And then also, This Is Our City, about St. Louis City SC and the history yep. of St. Louis soccer, is out concurrently as well, basically. That came out just about a month after this World Cup 2022 book. So just very fortunate to write soccer books with Meyer Meyer. They're the premier uh, sports publisher worldwide and the leading soccer book publisher worldwide, traditional publisher. So... Uh, very fortunate to be with them, and they do great things, and, and we look forward to more books down the line. So I looked into a little bit of the uh, <clears throat> the bio, and um, you know, it's 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 on the book, it's on your pages, uh, and the thing that jumped out at me, kind of looking at it, looks. You remind me of the guy that was in the Chevy commercials, where it's like, remember where he's standing next to the truck, and the neighbors like, so what do you do? And and then he goes off into his brain space, and he's fishing and hunting and fixing cars and dadding and all the. Because your your bio looks like that. Nice. It's all uh, you know. You've you've clearly lived a life in the past thirty years since we've seen each other. Uh, but but let's talk about salad dressing. Okay. <laughs> so that's the one where, and we will definitely get back to soccer. Don't worry, I'm not that much of a nerd. But well, no, let me let me interrupt because I'm here to talk about salad dressing. <laughs> I, I was not going to talk soccer at all. Oh, so, it was just, sweet. just so you know. So. Yeah. Hey, as long as we you didn't get his beet salad pre-order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should have. Right. Uh, it, 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 how do you go from Southern Illinois kid playing soccer? You yeah. go away to college, you play, you do your thing. You somehow in between then and what oh uh, eight oh nine somewhere in there uh, salad dressing deal, and now you're Meyer and Meyer uh, uh, published author doing all these soccer books. Walk me through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, the, the dressing uh, came to fruition uh, years after a restaurant uh, I owned was around. So this restaurant was in Sonoma County in California, 
And uh, from the get-go, long story short, from the get-go, I don't want to bore you with the details because it goes on for Incidentally, <clears throat> everybody likes to ask me about my restaurant because they know how hard the restaurant business is. So I think right. they want to see the pain in my expression and, you know, feel my hurt over the years from being at a restaurant for 10 years. Know it. Been yeah. there. Right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, the restaurant was 10 years uh, in Sonoma County and then the dressing uh, it came about from there and slowly it just progressed and uh it's been doing well ever since so leaf dressing's the name leafdressing.com and uh we've done a number of things with some some charity runs we're doing one right now with catholic charities of st louis through uh december 15th so october 1st to december 15th uh we're raising charity stuff for them and uh if anybody wanted to send anything or get any info it's at leafdressing at aol.com where you could get in touch with us for that. But yeah, the dressing uh, has done well and uh, it won the uh, Sonoma County Harvest Fair uh, double gold medal back in 2014. It won the California Taste Test in 2010. Uh, and it just keeps rolling forward. So it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it wow. is. It so do you is. feel never... a little bit like Paul Newman? Um, you could say that. Yeah, <laughs> you can say that. I mean, you look a lot like him too. And since we're on a podcast, everybody's got to believe me. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll take. I'll, I guess I'll take that. It could be worse, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So, of the two uh, current books books that are out uh, concurrently, the World Cup twenty twenty two and the St. Louis book. Uh, let, let's talk about the St. Louis book for obvious reasons. Um, when Meyer Meyer sat down with you, um, you know, talk me through the process in which you. Uh, I'm assuming you, you you probably had strategy meetings with the publishers, you know, talking about what kind of books you want to write. Uh, when, how, and what did you need to do to sell the concept of a book dedicated to St. Louis soccer? Well, <clears throat> believe it or not, uh, it got the green light right away because they knew of St. Louis's soccer tradition. And they're based uh, in Germany, also the UK, and, and they have branches throughout the world. But... Uh, I think the German connection is maybe, perhaps, how they knew about St. Louis soccer as well, you know, because there's such a big German presence here and Irish and Italian and, and others, obviously. Uh, and some of those are focused on in the book, but uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, they knew all about St. Louis. So it's not like we were in Salt Lake City, Utah or something like that. But did, did, you, did you have to have like a, a, a pitch board? Did you have a whiteboard or a a deck that you brought in and you know prepared to say here are some of the primary things or the or the anchor soccer facts or items that I that you know I want to yeah. focus on how, how, talk about that a little bit so some of the things uh, featured early on in that respect uh, involved St. Louis University's championships all time uh, in division one men's soccer and NCAA division one men's soccer obviously uh, they're still uh, number one with uh, 10, I'm pretty sure, my last check. And yeah. Indiana should be number two, and Virginia should be number three. Uh, so that's remarkable that St. Louis is still number one all time. And I don't know if Indiana is going to catch them anytime soon. I, if anybody would, it would be Indiana likely. But a nice side note to Indiana, as you guys probably know, is that uh, over the years they've acquired so many St. Louis players yeah. in their right. program. And I think that was touched on as well just in, in terms of, you know, St. Louis is such a powerful soccer community that Indiana University, of all people, has relied heavily on St. Louis talent over the years, and that's in part why Indiana has done so well over the years as well. So some players include 
uh, Dan King and uh, I mean the list goes on but uh, Sundenbury and uh, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong but uh, the other aspect was the St. Louis Stars uh, the original pro team here some would say St. Leo's was the original pro team I don't want to go on a, a, a or lecture rant here, but don't uh, give away the book, man, because everybody <laughs> will just listen. Cost your publishers yeah. some bucks, <laughs> right? Right. But I, I would argue the first real pro effort was the St. Louis Stars, as you know, and then sure. after that would be the Steamers and and so forth. After that, so um, you know, and then all the club success and all the high school success, and uh, it just uh, the amount of of uh, prowess that St. Louis has with its soccer history is second to none and it really has been the heartbeat of soccer in america since the beginning so all that was part of the the pitch if you will and cool. uh, so a diversion question kind of in yeah. that you've been writing about clubs across the world and I, I say clubs and this is inclusive of country teams so national teams you made reference to we're not in salt lake city right jb and i were earlier joking about Kansas City, who recently <laughs> yeah. came out on Twitter today and said that they were the soccer capital of the U.S. Oh. Right. So <laughs> You can't see his face, people, but it's uh, it's not very promising for I Kansas City. I don't City. think there's going to be a, Saint, a Kansas City book coming from, from Shane anytime soon. But right. my, my question really De- is... Well, it depends on the advance. That's true. Yeah. yeah if Meyer and Meyer are like, well, now <laughs> we want that. Uh, what do you think is the secret sauce? You, you've, you've, you've studied so many different cultures and clubs and countries and teams and nationalities. What do you think, in your, in your opinion, created the opportunity to, to have the stars and all the different iterations of soccer throughout St. Louis? Well, uh, I touch on it, and this is our city, and it's complicated, but I think that with the, the original... And, and again, I don't want to nerd out here because this could go on for a while. But I think with the original immigration from Germany, Ireland, and Italy in the early days from the late 1800s to circa 1930, those folks brought soccer or at least uh, an appreciation with them because it's, it's fascinating to point out when Major League Baseball was getting going here in the U.S. in the late 1800s, soccer was as well in Europe with the pro teams there and uh, and also eventually close to that in Argentina, et cetera. So they brought in appreciation of soccer, where, as you guys know, soccer wasn't cool in the U.S. for a long time, and it wasn't yes. mainstream cool anyway, Yes. except in St. Louis and a few other hubs around Correct. the country. So I think that they brought that. And then, interestingly, I think another... <coughs> this is where I, I go off onto a tangent. Uh, excuse me. But I think the St. Louis Cardinals actually play into the success here in St. Louis because the Cardinals are the second winningest World Series team to the New York Yankees. And when you have, and that happened a long time ago, the 30s with the gas house game, et cetera, (coughs) excuse me, and onward. And I think when you have that great baseball sports presence, there's going to be spillover into the coaches, the dads, and the players who then teach the game and absorb the game of soccer when they that. see something good, that is. I.e., it might be a different sport, but if you see Andy Van Slyke make a great play, you know that that technique is world-class, and I think that you can see similar things in soccer when you carry it over. And to some that might be a stretch, but to me it makes uh, a hell of a lot of sense because you know a lot of coaches steal stuff from other sports 
case in point, Gareth uh, Southgate of the current English national team, they came, uh, long story short, to watch, I think, an NFL game in the U.S. when they were touring with the English national team. And he was taking notes during an NFL game, seeing what he can grab from that sport to uh, carry over to his you know, soccer teaching. So I think that also played to it. But then just the love of the, the, the sport by St. Louis uh, locals and then the organization and then the key players who teach technique and so forth with old clubs like uh, Kudas and then Bush and then Gallagher, Lou Fuse and so many others today, obviously. <coughs> Pardon me. Well, that's great. I, I appreciate that answer because I think I think you're you're absolutely right in that one of the things that we we tend to do in certain circles is get real excited about mediocrity because it's really <laughs> great for what we see. But when you are living in a town that has excelled in in, in the baseball arena specifically, yeah. hockey to a lesser extent, football sometimes. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I think that's a really interesting point. And it, it actually leads to where JB and I started talking about this podcast, which is what is it about what we do? Why do we care so much about this game? Yeah. Is it really the game itself or is it more the quality that we're seeing out of the kids? Because we're seeing things from our boys and the, the teams we're playing against at the same age that are just, it's, it's phenomenal. Well, and, yeah. And I, I mean, I, it's the, the level of plays on a, on a different plane. Yeah. <clears throat> what, what, do you, what do you attribute to the acceleration uh, would be my add-on question to that? Well, uh, I think there's an interesting connection JB and I have, and that would be uh, Ed Gedemeyer. He was our coach uh, <laughs> during the Holland Cup that we won, incidentally, in, uh, what was it, 1991, under-16s. Yep. And Ed Gedemeyer was coached by Bob Gelker, and uh, Gene Baker, your former coach at Grant City, who I spoke with for the book, This Is Our City, uh, at length. Great guy, by the way, Gene Baker. And uh, he was coached by Bob Gelker. Correct. And I found that really interesting, and I spoke with a, a ton of other people. Tommy Howe, for instance, of the St. Louis Stars, and today he coaches at, uh, coaches at Scott Gallagher, if I'm not mistaken, and others. And they, they spoke volumes about Bob Gelker and his mysterious ability to understand soccer. Uh, he didn't play soccer, incidentally. He, I'm sure he maybe tinkered as a kid, but he, that wasn't his sport. And uh, maybe he tinkered, maybe he didn't, but that wasn't his sport. And people were like, how is he such a good coach? And for those who don't know, Bob Gelker was the, uh, the U.S. Olympic coach, the, the first coach right. at SLU who won five championships, and then Harry Keough won five championships after that. And then he was the coach at SIUE where they won a championship. Under, uh, with Ed. With Ed, 1979, correct, yeah. So we were essentially, you and I, coached by Bob Gelker in a way right. through Ed Gedemeyer and you through Gene Baker. And yeah. incidentally, I, I think you would know this, so I have a question for you. Did you know that Gene Baker was such an accomplished player I, I didn't really. yeah he was a he was a north county boy yeah um uh that ended up at he was cbc high school that's correct yeah uh then he went on to slew and he was a goalie mm -hmm. um and had tremendous success at slew and um you know spending all those years with him uh youth prior to freshman year uh, via the, the the summer camps and everything else and then obviously playing for him for three of my four years um it, it, it was it was the cerebral aspect of the game that you, I always had good coaches. I mean, I had Keith Galing and I had a number of other players that were all ex-pros. Baker was on a different plane, though. 
and it was it was how so? Uh, it was it was the antithesis of what I see with our boys now, Gallagher in particular, and and I love Gallagher. I'm a I'm a I'm a homer at this point. Sure, but Gallagher was a thousand is a thousand maybe. 99%, I should say, uh, dedicated to the development of the individual player and their ability to get out of trouble and be creative. Baker was 110% about, don't fuck up, this is the system, do your job. You know, and <laughs> and that equated to ridiculous success for us. Yeah. Uh, 11 state titles, you know, in, in Illinois. T- uh, t- yeah, 11. Whatever it is, it's significantly more than Collinsville, who is second. Hey, watch right? it. <laughs> but I, it's funny because it, it what what Baker did as a coach that was different than even Ed and a few of the other coaches that I had over the years. Um, it it was about your role. It was about your responsibility to the team, mm-hmm. and you know you, you knew what to do. Whether you were a left back or a 10 or a striker, it didn't matter. There were certain rules that applied, and if you broke that rule, you might as well just head to the bench. You're off. You know? <laughs> That's really uh, So yeah. very, very different than what we see now with our boys um, and, and the uh, lean into creativity and in, in individual performance, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a different time. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I uh, it... it Harkens me back to conversations I've had with people over the years before I met Gene, and we're talking back into <clears throat> the 90s uh, when we last saw each other, etc. Sure. And I could be wrong here, but I think one of my elders, a great player who's in the book, this is our city, Matt Chandler, former Granite City guy <laughs> who turned to Collinsville guy. Uh, I think he Turncoat. told. Turncoat. I think he told <laughs> he told me something similar to what you just said when he I, I guess he played his first two years at Grand City High School something like that and yeah. he said something similar to what you just said about the role that was expected of you as a player and and then other guys I spoke to as well uh, they all had nothing but tremendous things to say about Coach Baker well, and it's yeah, I, I, pretty I gotta, remarkable I gotta say <clears throat> that when you played for him if you, if you were lucky enough to make it into his good graces right. And you were a starting eleven or the the plus one two three yeah. that you knew you were going to play. It didn't matter if you were the plus four five six player on the on the on the bench, because the practices and everything were so again, they were they were monotonous. Um, you, 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 for, for example, if you're doing a simple passing drill, it was the inside of the foot. You could play the inside of the foot all day, miss a pass, and he'd be like, make that pass. What you could never do was touch the ball with the outside of your foot. Mm. If you touch the ball with the outside of your foot and it missed, the, missed your target, get off the field. Mm. I mean, it, he, he instilled this, like, uber discipline no. because he knew that on the east side of the river at that time coming into – uh, you know, late 70s, 80s, et cetera, the talent compared to the Missouri side. Yeah. You know, the Missouri side just had much more creative players. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew to beat them, it had to be a system. And it got to the point where um, when we went up, I think it was uh, my sophomore year, we go up there, I believe it was Hoffman Estates. We're playing them. We're, we're, we're there. And my my dad told me the story. He's like, it was so funny because we we're sitting there and all these Chicago elites are watching their kids play at the big stadium field. And we're out, you know, granite's on the field. And mm-hmm. and uh, they were basically like, oh, here come the farm boys, you know, that kind of narrative, you know. And, 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 and 
they knew that they had better talent. You know, our freshman year, Brian McBride was on the field and we took care of him. Yeah. You know, because we just were disciplined. Well, I, I, I wouldn't mess around with the Granite City guys if I were them. They were, like, whenever, <laughs> C, did you guys play CBC, Vianney, when, uh, Absolutely. On, your, on your schedule? Yeah, yeah whenever, because we had the tournament champions. Sure, sure. So, so yeah. every single year, we would make sure to exclude Collinsville. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Sounds about right. Missouri, about right. Uh, Vianney, DeSmet, Slew, uh, CBC were the big four. Uh, Aquinas made it occasionally. He yeah. would always put McClure North in. Mm-hmm. See, this is why everybody always wondered, like, why the hell is McClure North in this tournament? Mm-hmm. Where did Gene grow up? Yeah. You know, so yeah. a lot of this makes sense in hindsight. Yeah. But um, Well, when any of those St. Louis teams, speaking of them, across the river, saw Grant City in the red and black coming off the bus, I, uh, I, I know they knew they were in for a game. I yeah. mean, you guys were serious, serious contenders every single year nationwide. Uh, and a lot of it, I, perhaps all of it, had to do with Gene Baker, who won a, a national championship at SLU. You mentioned he went to SLU, and uh, I didn't know that until I, I interviewed him. Maybe I'd heard about it. You know, as kids, we hear about all of the St. Louis history here and there, maybe from parents or elders and, and things like that. But when I found that out, I thought, you know, that was really, really extremely fascinating to so, hear that about him. So let, let, let's keep kind of peeling it onion back. He's just giving me a big ego, first off. Um, <laughs> totally kidding. The St. Louis side of things, though. How much fun did you have really uh, digging into the research? Um, you know, because obviously growing up here and playing uh, with the teams that you did, the high school that you did, et cetera, a lot of these names were probably, you know, you've seen them in, in an article, et cetera. But in writing the book, Talk about, was there anybody that really just surprised you and was like, damn, that dude was cool or that's a great story. You know, I had no idea, you know. In terms of interviews? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. well, Gene Baker, speaking of him, top of the list, he and I spoke extensively, I want to say, for three hours thereabouts. And I, you know, before I spoke with him, uh, we'll get off of that in a second, but not to belabor the point, you know, when we played against you guys in, in high school, and there he is, he was like the uh, 12th player. He had a huge presence. You yeah. know, his personality was just big, and he, you know, barked at the referees, etc., and he was quite intimidating, you know, and I uh, talked to him on the phone. I'm like, this is the nicest guy in the world. He was, a, well, he, was a, he was an English teacher. Yeah. He was just a nice high school <laughs> English teacher. <laughs> it, amazingly professional, nice, courteous, all those things. And I, I mentioned him extensively in the book. And so he was top of the list. Vince Baker on the other side of uh, the river who has, uh, I want to say, 11 championships all time. Him and Gene Baker are the leaders still for high school coaches in their championship uh, titles. Gene is the leader in Illinois with his amazing amount, and then Vince Drake is the leader still to this day in Missouri's history when he coached St. Thomas Aquinas Mercy. So Vince Drake and I talked maybe three hours as well. He was absolutely amazing to speak with. Uh, Jim Leaker, Tommy Howe, Bill McDermott, uh, Al Trost was was amazing to talk to. Uh, He's the former captain of the U.S. Men's National Team in the 70s. Pat McBride, absolute charmer i mean really nice to talk to him great information from all those guys i i i'll uh, i'll leave out some people there's a million people sam cosner with the st louis sure. uh team right now st louis city sc dan king as i mentioned earlier spoke with him oh boy i'm drawing a blank but there's uh a ton of guys i spoke with and the list goes on and uh it was it was remarkable getting their insight about not only the stars but other aspects of uh, St. Louis soccer over the years, which is which is really remarkable. Well, it sounds like you've got enough material to start maybe your next seed project 
which could be about coaching. Perhaps. Yeah. I think you've interviewed enough coaches. You're seeing your book, by the way, the, the, the 2022 World Cup book. It's not a novel. It's not even really a, a who's who. It's more of a reference guide on the different teams, the different nationalities. And you kind of break down. You even give a criteria for your scoring for the different skill sets, shot power, mm-hmm. shot accuracy. So I think what I would be interested to understand is from your perspective, your, your view of this, is how do, you, how do you see the future of soccer in the United States going with Burhalter, the young guys that, are, that are, 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 are fielding the team? I mean, when Tim Ream is the senior guy at 32? Five. 35. 35. <clears throat> you know, t- talk about that a little bit, about the, the U.S. soccer and, and where you see it going from here. U.S. soccer in, yep. in general? Yeah. Well, my uh, first book, uh, Why American Soccer Isn't There Yet, yep. by the way, is, is not, I would argue, what it really sounds like. It sounds like maybe I'm kicking around U.S. soccer with that title, but in fact, what it, what it really means is why hasn't the U.S. men's team won a World Cup yet? So yep. the there is when that happens. And oddly enough, as you guys know, the U.S. has won everything else in sports in the world, and we lead in Olympic gold medals. So, uh, so it's remarkable that men's soccer is that last athletic frontier that we as a nation have to get to. Obviously, the women are the leading team in their, their arena, uh, but the men have to get there. So once they get there, they'll, they'll accomplish the there. In many other respects, U.S. soccer is there. MLS is growing tremendously all the time. Uh, you know, St. Louis City SC is joining the mix. You have others that recently joined, such as Nashville. And um, it, it just keeps getting better. And the enthusiasm for the World Cups keeps getting better each time around, it seems. So uh, where do we need to, where do I see U.S. soccer going in terms of maybe the World Cup championship? Is that what you're getting at? or just Kind of, because I, I think, obviously, we've got the youngest squad out there uh, in, in the top 32 right now. Uh, we've got a coach who, this is his first World Cup. We haven't been there in eight years. I'm not asking for your prediction unless you really want to get, I know you put it in the book, so I don't want to give away the, the book. But talk about maybe beyond 2024. Do you see the Pulisic and the Josh Sargent's of the world reemerging in 2026 because of, you know, they'll, they'll be barely 30 even then. Yeah. Um, so just talk a little bit more about that. That's what that, that's what I, I'm just curious about that. Uh, well, I think that those guys should be back, Pulisic, Sargent, etc. Uh, how will they do this time? I think it's up for grabs, to be honest. You know, so in terms of getting out of the group, I think that this team very well could get out of the group. Uh, uh, but there's a lot of parity there. So you have Wales, you have who I think is equivalent to the U.S. right now yeah. in terms of talent, uh, and you have Iran, who I think is a little below Wales in the U.S. However, their passion will probably make them equal yeah. to those two teams Be- because right? they kind of hate us, kind of. So when they bit. get on yeah. the field, there's bit. there's a little there's a little bit of different motivation going on there. There's a spark there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, basically, uh, other than Wales, because we kind of feel, you know, we as a nation respect Wales for their. Uh, the desired independence and the other two hate, hate, hate both of us. Right. So yeah, I, I have, a, I have, have had a theory. We've talked about it on the show briefly before, but I want to get your take. The reason why I think same, uh, not same U S soccer will, uh, continue to potentially underachieve 
on at the global level, uh, especially in these larger tournaments. I think it goes back to what you were kind of alluding to as to what made St. Louis good early on, which is the same thing that made a lot of our cities that are potential, quote, soccer cities good, was the immigrant influence uh, moving into those, those cities over time. Uh, Germans play a particular way. Italians play a different way. Mexicans play a much different style of soccer, etc. And when you look at the 325 million people we have and you spread it out over this vast landscape, right. how... How do you see U.S. men's soccer um, with with really you more players playing at the highest level in the world than we've ever had before? Right. When are they ever going to get along, quote, mm-hmm. get along and play a style that we can say that's U.S. soccer? Well, my head's spinning uh, for like what to say because there's a million things to say, but I think to to isolate it down so. For instance, uh, Spain, who won the triple uh, in uh, 2008, 2010, 2012, Euro World Cup, uh, Euro, their team largely consisted of Barcelona players that dominated Mm -hmm. that team with a few Real Madrid guys, maybe a couple other whatever sprinkled in. So what that shows me is they... The, you know, the, almost the same guys who grew up in the Barcelona system, so to speak, were together on that team. There was a unity there. So I thought, well, in circa 1958, the U.S. men's national team called on Kudis in St. Louis to play as the U.S. national team for a couple games around that time. Pat McBride, others told me that, which is absolutely bizarre when you think about it. And they, <laughs> yeah. they wow. didn't go to... Go ahead. Well, you know, let's let's call a funeral, <laughs> a funeral family's soccer club to come and represent the United States. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean when you really spell it out, it's more insane than what you were about to describe. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 well, that's how powerful Kudus was, and this is what uh, guys who I interviewed uh, uh, relayed to me, and I just find that amazingly fascinating. There were a couple guest players, obviously, on that team, but it was largely Kudus. Sure. And. So I asked Pat McBride, I go, well, what about today? What if something like that happened now with the U.S. national team? And you had Josh Sargent, Tim Ream, et cetera, maybe some others from the St. Louis area. He said, you know, I think he liked the idea. I'm not putting words into his mouth here. But I don't want to put words into his mouth. But I, he said something to the effect of that'd be a hard sell, <laughs> you know, as far as politically <laughs> to tell the whole nation, hey, nobody else, just St. Louis guys right now. We're going to do it like the, the Kudus experiment. Yeah, you guys go sit down over there in New York. Well, I right. mean, no, well, no, like, not New York. New York's fine. Let's exclude Kansas City. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys have a, a thing against Kansas City. Doesn't I'm, anybody? I'm up on <laughs> yeah, it's an I-70 thing. It goes back I-70. to 84. <laughs> I, I want to ask him another another question and, and so so this question is something we've talked about on this podcast a couple times dual sport athletes it's such a weird topic but it comes up only for soccer it feels like i don't feel like it comes up on any other sport no but oh you gotta you gotta have dual sport how many of those championship teams including the spanish team of oh eight nine ten how many of those players also played hockey or cricket? Bullfighting. Bull bull <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, or bullfighting. Yeah, they're all from Malaga. You know, the bullfighting <laughs> rings. But yeah. I'm, I'm not expecting to know the answer to the specifics of each player. But do you think there was a sense within those, those championship-winning teams, whether it's in the World Cup level or even 
collegiate level for the U.S. Right. Where those dual sport athletes made an impact or made a difference uh, in, in, in the quality of the player or, or, or the outcome. Mm, you know, perhaps. Uh, I, I, we'd have to go down the list of the players, I think. But I, I think what strikes me, uh, to get off on a tangent that I consider a maybe a personal motif of mine would be, I think the U.S. men's national team, to your questions earlier, how can they get there, so to speak, they, they need to have, I think, different defenders maybe in place or different scheme of defenders. So what I heard interviewing people for This Is Our City, uh, Bob Gelker put a lot of emphasis on his best players were defenders, and then he started from there. Sure. So uh, so if I remember right, again, going back to our youth days, JB, I, I think JB, or JB, I think uh, Jamie Bridges was an outside defender, correct? With Gene Baker, that is. I think so, yes. And he's a hell of a player, and that makes sense. You would think someone like him who was very fast might be a forward, but no, he wanted him at defense because he really wanted to solidify everything, in my opinion. Uh, with well, well, okay, so Jeff Stevens, you remember Jeff Stevens, uh, Jason Maxfield, yeah. uh, those players, they were all arguably uh, physical specimens, great athletes in other sports. They were all defenders. It, well, and they really should have been attacking midfielders or something. Let like me that, let I me guess. jump in and point that out. So, so when I was, I, I think a freshman, I'm watching uh, Grant City and Collinsville play, and uh, Jeff Stevens was, I think, a senior. So he's he's mm-hmm. very much older than me. Never met him, but right away I looked up to him, like as an elder. I'm like, wow, this guy's amazing. His technique, his dribbling, and he was an outside defender. I'm like, huh? I mean, he just caught my eye right away, and I was like, phenomenal. I thought he was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, so, again, to that point, why didn't Baker make him a forward or something? Well, he was a defender, and I think that's why you know, there was so, so much success with that team. So, anyway, with the U.S. men's national team, I think a lot of defenders right now are the ones to be there. So, uh, I think Dest would be a great outside one to keep, obviously. Walker Zimmerman is my starting center defender, yeah. and Tim Ream is my starting center <clears throat> defender as well. Not because he's a St. Louis guy, but because I think he's the right guy for the job. And then the other outside defender needs to mirror uh, uh, Dest as much as possible because I think Dest is, is brilliant. And do we have that guy? I don't know. That's debatable. There's a few good ones. But it, I, for me, it starts with the four defenders who I think need to possess the ball better, if you will. And I know that might be sounding like an insult because they're at this level. Well, still, I think you can improve at whatever level you're at. Correct. And I think that the, the national team, our national team, that is, if it took maybe a few more lessons from Brazil and Germany with defenders who really own the ball, like they want the ball. No disrespect to past defenders, but I see it in their body language. They don't really want the ball. I'm not going to name names, but they don't really want the ball so much. And I don't know if that makes sense. You could see it. I, and feel I know it. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, to own the ball. And I mean, like PK of Spain, like yes. he had the ball. He was very comfortable on it. Yes. You can tell just right away with his body language. Many others, Beckenbauer from Germany, et cetera. So... I think once we get there, and again, I would have Dest, uh, uh, what's his name, Reem and Zimmerman, and then debatable other outside defender right sure. now in terms of right now. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, as um, father of a defender but a uh, uh, attacking player myself, like, I've, I, I, I get it. I, you, you can't – look, if the other team keeps you at zero, you can't win. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. Right. And I think that, you know, this goes back to the Baker days. Uh, again, 
here's the system. Don't let anybody go around the outside of you. And if we do that, we clog it up. They can't score. That means worst case scenario, it's zero zero, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So there was that that certain mindset. And, and really, you know what? Look at Italy. Look look at Italy in particular, um, uh, or from an EPL standpoint, Chelsea uh, in the middle years, park the bus, right? Everybody joked, oh, so boring, so boring. Well, it was really boring until they started filling the trophy case every right. single year with two, three cups, right? Right. Um, I, I think U.S. soccer has an identity crisis, in my opinion, um, because we do have so many expats around the world playing at the highest level, um, really excelling at that level too I mean look at Tamarim 35 he was not in conversation to make this team up until the last really 30 days or so right and it's like how is that even possible because here he is getting the most minutes at Fulham in the Premier League in the top 10 captain captain of the team and we have a very young team and you're potentially not going to add a 35-year-old stud that can like calm it all down. Right. And 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 to that point, what I was saying earlier, when Reem touches the ball, you can really sense he knows he's been yeah. there, he's done that, and he wants the ball, though. He doesn't just want to dish it off. Yeah. He wants it to come right back to him. Yeah. And that's what center defenders must have. And it's nothing against center defenders in the past in the U.S. that made it up to the national team, but I think it's the culture of how they were taught which is you, you get rid of the ball and you, you don't want it back. If you do, whoa, you know what I mean? You need to get it down there kind of thing, which maybe, to your guys' point earlier, maybe that existed around the country a lot more in different corners of, of the country. Yeah, I think but G- St. Louis has always said we want skillful players, and we so it's been a different area in St. Louis. In I think you're that. right, JB, in that the style has been so fluid for the U.S., for 70 years. I it's mean, like a Jackson Pollock painting. Yeah. We, we have beautiful <laughs> colors, and we just we every coat on the wall, every right? Coach. I mean, I'll, I'll throw out Brazil. You wrote it in your book. Samba. That's You know what you're going to get when you play Brazil. You've got to figure the, it out. The Dutch. Yeah. Total football coming your way. We right. don't have that. Right. right. We have, <laughs> and, and I love how you caveat everything with no disrespect. No disrespect, but it's a lot of kickball. Well, he's trying to write. He's trying to write more books. I too. know, but I, <laughs> so I'm not. You can't disrespect. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? You just give us a thumbs up or thumbs down when we can disrespect somebody, and we'll do it <laughs> yeah. on your behalf. <laughs> with with all disrespect, uh, the following point. I think that. Uh, well, I, I honestly believe too that the U.S. men's national team could win the World Cup every year, going back to the pre-Tab Ramos era, way before him even. But it's it's how I think the team approached coaching-wise. And as you said earlier, uh, one of you guys said earlier, you know, you have players from California, you have players from Jersey, Florida, Chicago, St. Louis, Seattle, et cetera. How does that all come together into a style? So I think that's been a big challenge for the U.S. over the years, who, again, I think the athleticism uh, from the players can win World Cups, and and the players have been very good, Tab Ramos, etc., and onward forward. So, uh, you know, it's it's a really interesting uh, quandary we're in as a nation, and there's big expectations now. I think with fans loving the Huge. team even more. The expecta- so, I think the expectations for this World Cup are higher yeah. than probably since '94. Well, if not even if not even more, just because of the fact that. Not only, I mean, 94 was different because it was here, right? So the spotlight was on 
we were trying to break into this new league and all that kind of fun stuff. This year, when you look at the credentials of the players and you see all the European times, you see yeah. all the different uh, experience, it's, it's gone up. Well, so, yeah. here's my fear is when you look at our group and you look at England in particular, England has a lot of injuries right now. You know, mm-hmm. Reese James wasn't included in it because he's, he's yep. under you know and there's a lot of examples like that with them I, I truly believe not being a homer because I'll be the first to knock our national team I think England's beatable on that day mm-hmm. with kind of the mental emotional state that our team will be in to play them and all of the pressure is on England yeah. Like, you can't lose that. Now, here, yeah. let me say one one more thing, and that is Iran, their motivation to beat us is greater than the game of soccer. <laughs> like, there's that. There's a massive national pride. And sure. Wales, because <laughs> most Americans have no idea where that's even at and the whole thing, like, we, we as a nation will be looking completely over the top of them. And they too could put a hurting on us, you know. And okay, so what's 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 a what's a win for the United States national team in this World Cup? What's barring the cup? What's a what's in your mind, JB, and 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 you? So so, go ahead, Shane. You go first. Shane, you go first because I'm curious what your not your prediction, no. but in your mind, what's a win for the U.S. in this World Cup? Well, I think U.S. fans are getting impatient. I think there's been sort of a a period where U.S. fans have been like, okay, we lost this time around, but we did good. It's a building year. But I think now over about 20-odd years, maybe since 94 when Mike Sorber of St. Louis was on that team and uh, Fernando Clavijo, who played in St. Louis, was on that team, uh, I think since then the expectations have built up gradually like continental shift a little bit. So now I think there's a little impatience if the team can't get out of its group I think a lot of very fervent fans will be impatient now. So what's a win? Well, I still think the team, as I said earlier, has the potential to get to the finals every year. I really believe that. But uh, it'll be tricky. Um, I think a win is getting to the quarterfinals for sure. Uh, That would be a big win. Um, But, uh, you know, can the the team get past England, Wales? And and as you said earlier, I agree with that 100%. There's too much pressure on England. And that sort of makes them robotic a little bit yeah. when they play. Because, I mean, talk about pressure. They have it more than maybe any other team in the whole I World agree. Cup. Yeah. So those guys really stiffen up sometimes. And I think that's maybe going to go against them, against the U.S., Wales, and maybe even Iran. Who knows? Uh, even though I think England is clearly the top team in the group, tied for second, U.S., Wales, and third is Iran. So a win, I, I think, would be obviously getting into the round of 16. But after that, okay. quarterfinals would be right. really awesome. I'm with that. Yeah. I'm with that. JV? Well, I think if we win the group, I think we have a better chance of losing the very next game. Uh, if we finish second in the group, I think we advance two more games. Interesting. Uh, I, I th- because I think that the emotional, uh, the spent energy to win the group, which would mean realistically a tie or a win against England, and then do our job against Wales and Iran. Uh, I think that if you do that, you blew the bubble up so big, 
and you win the group, all of a sudden, well, I think that bubble will pop. Now you got to reinflate it with motivation. Yeah. Whereas if you get through, so you lose the England game, theoretically. Let's say we lose England and we win the other two, and England advances as first in the group, then you've got to take it on the chin a little bit because you were not big dog in the group, and, and that I think that will kind of temper attitudes and potentially keep us more focused. Hmm. Because if you finish second in the group, you know what that means as far as who you are potentially going to be playing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so because if you finish first in the group, you could pick up another flyer that is a team that should not have advanced right. in the next game, which again creates overconfidence. Yep. We've seen it time and time and time again. We are a better team, a better national team when we have our backs against the wall with a good system. So next question, final question, because we're, we're running out of time here. Who's going to be the hero, and why is it going to be Brendan Aronson? Me? I concur. First of all, I, I was maybe going to wear that very jacket tonight. Well, oh, it nice. looks really nice. Yeah, well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. How odd would that have been? It's a different color I have. Yours would have been purple, <laughs> right? <laughs> Close. Yeah, blue, purple, one of those. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, what was the Aronson? I, I like Aronson a lot. I think uh, I, for me, he's an easy starter. Uh, my my starters on, on the forward side of things would be Pulisic, Aronson, probably Wea, uh, but I would want to throw in uh, uh, what's his name. Uh, Reina, Reina's son, Gio Reina, Gio. in there as well somewhere, and then you have Sargent. So to to be honest, this is tough for the coach. You know, this is a tough situation because there's so much talent for that forward attacking midfield group. Like whoever's sitting on the bench is not a bench player per se. You know, there it's just like to me. I remember Italy in '06. Some of the guys coming off the bench, Rossi and uh, what's his name, uh, Del Piero. Right. These are not bench players, but they didn't have like anger or any friction when they came off the bench. You could tell everybody was in it together. And when those guys were standing on the sideline to come into the game, no egos. So the coach did a great job with that respect. I think somehow if uh, Burhalter can do that with this group, who has uh, a lot of talent, I think, in the forward yeah. area, it's it, it, it will it'll be a good thing if if they can say let's consolidate our, our egos and not worry about who's coming off the bench because there's so much talent there that this is actually a really dangerous team. I think ego control is, is Burhalter's biggest challenge. It's the mental piece. Sure. And uh, that's going to be a big deal. I know we're, we're, we're wrapping up here, uh, but Shane, I, I really appreciate you joining us today. I, I think you know your, your bibliography is expanding. Um, you've got multiple World Cup books, the book on on sit on St. Louis. Are there any other references that you would recommend to to avid readers around the game of football, game of soccer, that were inspirations to you that you could also promote? In addition to, by the way, we're going to definitely tag you and all your your, your websites, yeah. including Leaf Dressing. Um, I got to put it all in there. In there, but anything beyond that that would inspire that's inspired you or that you would recommend? Um, well, I it, it, yeah, let's see. I think I don't know if you remember this uh, goal A. It was called the 1982 World Cup uh, 
the VHS video back in the day. Oh, yeah. Baker made <laughs> us watch it. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, no, preseason. Like, we had to watch all these VHS tapes right. on little, uh, you know, VCR machine and... He'd be like, oh, watch this the roll don't in, screw up. The roll-in TV? <laughs> yeah, no, it was the totally. Like, it was on the AV cart. Oh, yeah, yeah. go Interesting. That, yeah. Hero, the 1986 film, yep. you probably saw. Uh, uh, those those two, among others, when I was growing up, I watched those maybe a million times over, bottom as a kid. So those are influences uh, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I appreciate you guys having me here. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, what's uh, – okay, so post-22 um, – don't give anything away if you legally are incapable of doing so, but uh, uh, new books coming down the pipe? Well, keep a lookout at shanestay.com <laughs> and also yes. Meyer and Meyer Publishers that's online. The, that's they, the PR answer. It's the coach's book. That's what's coming. <laughs> they coming. list those as well. Yes. Hey, why not a coach's book? I mean, Messi, like Messi just came out yesterday and said he thinks that Pep Guardiola has ruined coaching in the English Premier League and mm. other leagues because he's been so successful that there are copycats who are trying to copy elements. You mean like Arteta in first place uh-huh. in the EPL? Yeah, he's doing a little <laughs> different. Uh, but I would, I think you would be great. You're in the perfect position, I think, not to throw out ideas for you, but I think that would be an awesome next next venture. If well, you, if uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll spitball right now. Here's what we need to do because you, you, you're living in the area, correct? Yeah. Uh, so here's what we need to do. I'll keep you. I'll keep uh, keep you on the short list, and I'll dial you up when I know we've got some of these uh, legacy guys in. Ooh, you probably know more about them than we do. I'm gonna ask like Chick Fil A versus Popeyes, right? You can ask actually weighted questions, and we'll help kind of feed your next book. How's that? Would you be willing to do that? I'd love to. I'd That'd love be to. great. How about Rick? Our time episode. You want to come on with Rick? I'd love to. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he was so pissed off that he couldn't make tonight. I'm like, whatever, go coach your kids. <laughs> so, priorities, Rick. All right, Shane. I tell you what, I'm gonna start rolling us out here. Um, really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, check out his shanestay.com. Go on, go out there, check out the books, uh, order it, pick them up. Uh, like my man Zach did today. Uh, what'd you do? You you uh, Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble and yep. went curbside pickup. Probably yep. something like that. It, uh, I'm sure Amazon drop it off the front door, right? Correct. Um, give them a follow. And as usual, if you made it this far, uh, I'm extremely appreciative because most don't. <laughs> but if you did and you haven't followed us yet, go ahead and do that. Spotify, Apple Pods, all the usual suspects. Uh, and we really love reviews. One-star reviews are cool, too, because that gives us something to talk about. Because if it's a five-star review, I feel like it's like our aunt or our grandma or somebody who really doesn't watch the game. They're just like, love you. Good job. So toss it all our way. Uh, Shane, thanks for coming on, man. Really thanks, appreciate Shane. it. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, Sh- Schlafly, for not kicking us out in this evening of private parties. Uh, and we will be back next time. Take care.